Welcome to the TriCatch podcast. I'm Tamara Sutton. I'm a UX designer here at Farm Credit Services of America, and I have on the podcast today teammates from the UX design team. Yeah, I'm uh, Keith Carranza, UX strategist on uh, the UX team. Hi, Jason Ulasic. I'm an external consultant working with the uh, UX team. All right. So today's podcast, we're going to talk about some questions that were actually submitted to the UX team here from different teammates, whether they be in business technology or more specifically on an application development team. So I'm just going to go through the questions and we'll just have you know brief discussion around them. So let's start with the question, what are the common misconceptions on what UX does? I think one of the bigger ones is kind of UX is UI, right? You've seen the, the posters about that. Let's call in UX to pretty things up. So I think that's one of the bigger misconceptions, especially in development-heavy organizations. Obviously, from our perspective, and I think I speak for us all, that uh, UX is more of an integrated discipline uh, within all aspects of product development, not just at the tail end, but it's a tool to help uh, team solution connect to customers all throughout the product development process. I think the only thing I would add is I, I typically... Uh, User experience is, is uh, to me, like this mindset, this just approach that you take, I think is kind of what, you know, Heath is talking about as well, too, and, and involves a, a number of different ologies, uh, art and science disciplines that are important. And sometimes the balance of those are important at different points along the kind of question that you have. And so user experience, UX is really bring that those to the front and center um, and, you know, use kind of as a creative muscle of sorts to, to think um, and employ those disciplines maybe a little bit differently than you have in the past. Yeah. So Jason, I'd like you to expand on that a little bit more. You mentioned what kind of question you have. Um, I think, you know, when, when you approach projects as a user experience designer, I think, you know, the, clearly there are some challenges when we get ingrained inside of all sorts of things digital, <laughs> as Heath was mentioning, like, can we pretty it up, uh, make it pop, uh, whatever kind of silly, you know, statements uh, we've, we've all sort of heard. But ultimately, to me, it comes all the way back, uh, a few steps back and, and our questions about what are we, what are we trying to solve for? Or what are we... Uh, uh, challenged with around the business? Is it, you know, things like saving uh, money and cutting costs out of doing business so that we can extend the resources and the dollars or the whatever in different ways to do new different new things or uh, do more of things that we ought to be or want to be doing? Um, is it reaching uh, people in a, in a different light? Those, you know, these are, those are more generative, broader, bigger types of questions, uh, the latter. And the former sometimes are like, how do we how do we further optimize sort of stuff, right? I think there's questions kind of along that entire spectrum, and certainly things kind of in the middle of it as well. But you know, there's there's business questions, there's inside the industry or the market kinds of questions, questions that our customers have or employees have, etc. It's kind of a broad answer, I guess I would say. 
Some things I can think about with that is that at our organization, even we might be brought into projects at completely different times, right? So you might be brought into a project when the development team starts on it, you might be brought into a project from conception and you might be brought in after the development team has maybe 50% done or getting ready to release in the next two months. And so sometimes we're brought in and, and people might ask, um, okay, so what would you do to make this look better? And a lot of times when we come in, we're, how do we make sure it's working to, um, to solve the problem and it intends to solve, right? So some back to your question is what's the problem at hand that we're trying to solve and why are we trying to solve it? And how do we know it's a problem? <laughs> and so a lot of times, you know, like when we've, or when I've worked with project teams or um, even product managers, they're like, wow, UX ask a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah. I think to that point, and it's kind of what I was making is that by the time I feel a lot of times we're brought in, it's almost too late, right? Um, a lot of what we're working on at that point is an extension or a, it's a byproduct of a lot of decisions that have been been made without context sometimes of customer or maybe to Jason's point, a broader business context that's really important to to what we're doing. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, we want to know what is the change that we want to have happen after we've implemented the solution? How are we going to measure it? How are we going to know if we succeeded with that change? Certainly we can come in and look at an application and apply some best practices to design and layout, right? But that's not necessarily where our skills are most useful. Yeah, it's part part of it, right? I mean, I think there's value in some of that, but to what you're saying, what if it's the wrong solution? Because we haven't taken time to understand what the real root, the intent is, or the problem is. You know, they want something simple. And so we reorganize and add some different colors and make links buttons and it's responsive. Uh, and that's great. Oh man, it performs well and looks good except for the fact that in reality, nobody wanted to have a tool to do that thing. <laughs> I mean, I'm making something up clearly, but you know, you would have, by asking some of those questions earlier in the process, you, you um, may have had an opportunity to guide uh, the time and energy and, you know, the, the, the real money that you're spending on, uh, on all of that. Um, maybe in a different way. Maybe, maybe it was something that was more important to be handled via uh, a phone call or, or something automagically happens, like we ought to integrate something or I don't know, right? Um, and so I think that that's, to me, there's something inherent in the kind of, Tamara, for what you're saying, like the kind of business questions or kinds of just questions overall and where we're curious about. Do we need, how much do we know about it? I know Heath is uh, big on assumptions and validating assumptions. And I think this aligns with a lot of those questions and that type of the research piece that we we can be helpful to. I think that there's just kind of this, um, sometimes you start on a, a, up a new relationship on a new thing and you're way down deep in the weeds and you got to figure it out as best as you can. And, you know, then you have to kind of pull it, Pull it backwards a little bit to understand: um, Are we are we doing the right thing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. You know, that goes along pretty well with another question I'm seeing that was submitted is what do you wish other teammates understood about your UX role or when working with a UX designer? Kind of goes hand in hand with a little bit of what we've said. One thing is, is understanding the approach that we take and why we're asking so many questions, why we can't always just come in and look at an application without understanding the why behind it or understanding the user that is interacting with that application to get something done. What are they trying to get done? Why are they trying to get it done? Why is it important to them? And and where's the value from it? Yeah, we talked about a lot of this in the last question, just understanding how UX is more of an integral part of the overall process versus kind of an afterthought. So I think you made a good point on process, though. I think there's a lot of, um, you know, we shouldn't expect a lot of folks to understand the process. I think it's kind of up to us to help communicate that and champion it and make sure people are aware of it. And so I feel part of it, the onus is on us to be evangelists and uh, for our role and the, the proper integration of that role with the team. So I feel like some of that's on us. I mean, I think one thing that makes uh, what we do challenging inside of organizations is uh, organizations are primed uh, to be, you know, to have processes and role clarity and uh, how you move through a project and like you kind of like repeatability and, you know, um, process maturity, like all this stuff, right? The expectations that people understand. What we do sometimes feels very ambiguous for a lot of people. That <laughs> doesn't, sometimes it doesn't match the mental model of how people tend to think about it. And it's like, well, what do we do with this? Well, let's ask them to like, you know, create a design mock-up or something. Isn't that what they do? Great. Let's put them in, you know, this little box, right? But when you ask bigger, broader questions about like, what do we know about the customer and how they manage their business or the kinds of tools that they use or how they perform something or what, what or how we could be helpful to them in part of that? Sometimes it feels like, whoa, wait a second, right? That like, what do I do with that? There's uh, certainly repeatability in some of the things that we do, but there are other things inside of, uh, you know, underneath this umbrella of user experience that can feel more ambiguous, more like we're pushing on more the norms of how projects and work gets done uh, or or, or sometimes people might feel like it's being challenged, I think in those cases. And that I think comes with, you know, some of these other things we might get into around it's up to us to communicate what's appropriate, what's when, and have some level of expectations and bringing people along so that they know how things might go on a project or what to expect or what questions might arise or you know, just how it works, bringing them along through that experience. The more that I think you could do that, the less, I think, kind of like ambiguous, <laughs> uh, you know, the less it feels like we're throwing risk out the window. <laughs> What do you guys do when you're starting with a new project team? You're starting when a development team is starting or even starting later. What are some of the things that you guys do to set yourself up to kind of understand what is the UX approach to this? Yeah, it all depends. I think just kind of getting your bearings. um, We've talked about this a little bit. Sometimes you're dropped into a project or a team and they could be like different phases of the, the project or development. And you have to kind of assess um kind of take lay of the land as it were, right? So where are they? 
Um, how are they used to operating? Uh, what expectations do they currently have? What do they know about the, the user, the customers, the business space? Like what kind of direction has been given so far? What are our time constraints? Like all these things factor into developing some sort of approach to how can I help this team in the best way possible, given all these different constraints um, that some are within your control and some are just out of your control. So I think it depends on the situation. Obviously, uh, the point we've been talking about uh, being integrated into a, a team um, further or um, earlier in the process is always going to be better. You have more options and more flexibility to help influence and guide the team and uh, provide some perspective on how to approach things. Um, and then later on down the line, I think there's, you know, if you're integrated later, I think there's more of that. Um, what was the best I can do given the constraints of the current time, place, budget, um, all sorts of things. So it depends. <laughs> so that's my non-answer answer. It depends. That's why it's challenging. Sometimes it's, uh, <clears throat> It's uh, not, it's not easy. You, you know, you, um, I think, you know, early in the process, I tend to, I tried to understand everybody's role in things um, and their interests. Like what does success look like? What are they trying to achieve? Like, is it um, the business person wants to uh, cross sell a particular product or offer up some sort of new type of service and the developer uh, wants to not have to spend time on something uh, that's only going to get ripped out later or you know a waste of time and energy and the project manager wants to make sure things are on time you know there's there's all sorts of kinds of interests both individually team business unit and then organizationally that are involved in the in the process uh, of kind of working together on projects. And so I like to at least acknowledge that in a, in a discussion so that everybody has that frame of mind, right? So it's like we develop, you know, empathy for the folks that we're designing things for. Sometimes we have to design those activities for the people that we're working for to understand their points of view as well. I think when we start a project that's at the very infant state, maybe we don't know as much about it. We have a bit of a problem that we know has to be solved. It's a lot about learning. Why does the business want to solve this problem? And then what the customer's needs are or the user's needs are to solve it efficiently and effectively for them as well, where you meet both those needs. And so when you start from a project at the very beginning, a lot of interviews of understanding what do we know about the users in this space already? Maybe there's been previous research done. Maybe we've done the previous research that we can pull from. Is there cross-research that we can look into, either from other industries that other people have done or even within our own organization? Understand, you know, research on the business value and stakeholders. What do they want to see? What are some things that they're measuring? And then from there working on a design path, right? Like how, how are we going to implement something and get feedback along the way? And those are some of like the, the best case scenarios, right? Where you get to have that time to do the research up front. but sometimes you're dropped in, even if you start at the same time as a development team, you're kind of behind the eight ball a bit because a lot of times teams get X amount of time to work on a solution. That team they want to get going. They want to get started. So how do I stay in front of a dev team while still providing value to the development team 
to the organization and providing value back to the user. And that you start to get into a little bit, you know, faster iterations on what we do. So if you're lucky, you might have somebody that can be doing some research on the side, but you might be pulling from your basic principles that we know and doing more just in time design so that you're creating it fairly quickly, but then still trying to get feedback on it. So how can we run a test on what we're going to be creating in this next iteration if you're doing agile methodology? Yeah. And I think that depends too, right? If you're um, kind of working on an existing product, it could be like a new feature or something like that. I think there's a level of risk, right? If you're starting a brand new product from scratch and you're starting when the development team starts, I think that's a big problem. So (laughs) to your point, With Agile, I find that's always a challenge, right? Even if you do have, quote unquote, a head start, it seems to be a tendency to get the developers and people kind of fed right away. So I've always found integrating and working with an Agile team is always challenging, you know, no matter what organization I've been with. It's always uh, a battle to put out fires and keep ahead of them. And some organizations and teams I've worked with have been more successful than others. And I think that goes back to helping set expectations and working well with your not only your development team but your product managers your scrum master i think that's the other thing too i think that's a question coming up like what should what i don't want to jump ahead but you know when working with a ux team member i I definitely believe it's more of a collaborative sort of effort rather than maybe a a siloed effort so i think that kind of ties into a couple things we talked about where maybe ux might be considered more towards the end but it's definitely a throughout the process collaborative effort versus kind of pushed off to the side so again i think it's some onus on us to, to work with the teams, but um, there are circumstances where it can be challenging. So another question is, how should a dev team account for UX when there isn't a designer on the project? So at our organization, we have more dev teams than we have designers. How should a dev team account for UX when there isn't a designer on the project? Get a designer on the project? <laughs> <laughs> is that a, is that a cheat answer? I, Next question. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I don't know. I think we played around with the idea of uh, here having some sort of uh, center of excellence around some of the practice and methods that we preach and use uh, on the team. So, I mean, I, I love the concept of everybody have some sort of, let's say ownership, but understanding of the process and at least the basic tenets and principles. And there's some level of practical application, even though you're not a UX person, right? At least from a high level, let's take the right approach standpoint. But yeah, I think there's just so much a UX person can bring to to the table that's outside of the skill set of developers and PMs and stuff like that, that you wouldn't expect them to have, right? So um, even with some basic understanding of the process and approach, I think that only gets you so far, fortunately. I think think there are, you know, when it's... um sort of uh, late in the game uh, with a number of different constraints or uh, not enough resources, I think. um, But I think, you know, uh, how can we get them to start to build some of those behaviors and that that thinking um, about like what they're doing and what they're developing so that, you know, everybody has pride in their work. (laughs) Nobody likes it to not go as, as they planned or as they hoped. Right, so really working together. It, what we're trying to do is get uh, 
maximum curiosity and understanding for the context of what we're trying to do and how it needs to happen so that we really remove as much risk of being wrong or not hitting the mark as we all hope it does. Um, so I think, you know, use like a usability study, gorilla kind of testing, even things that I, I tend to think sometimes go pretty overlooked uh, inside of organizations, but have a lot of value are just even simple, like heuristic reviews, heuristic analysis, and just stepping through like, hey, developer, take the main, um, uh, you know, scenario through this five screen tool or whatever, and give me all the screens and let's step through it. And just using a basic set of principles, there's a number one number of them out there, like uh, Nielsen's um, uh, heuristic principles, like, you know, it, looking at that from that lens is an, a more of an objective way and providing some feedback around things that you think uh, might be problematic or, you know, areas prone for um, improvement uh, could be an easy way too, right? It doesn't, it's, it, that, that could be an hour long conversation you could have with somebody and it doesn't take a lot of intense resources and resource planning to kind of tackle. So it's just simple things like that. Like you mentioned, when you mentioned Tamara or even some of these types of simple activities like your heuristic review to kind of just start. There's a site, Nielsen Norman Group, and I think they have a pretty good article out there about the top 10 heuristics for UI design. And that's, I think, is a good place to start and just going through those and putting that product in front of you and asking those questions. Yeah, I think it's a great resource for anybody just getting started too. Because I could imagine like Heath, in your career, you probably referenced and looked at that early on as did a lot of designers. Yeah, they have a lot of uh, great articles. And to your point, good for anybody starting out. Um, something came up as you guys were talking through heuristics, though. And I've actually got something helpful to add uh, for, uh, UX, or for a team that doesn't have a UXer. And that would be if you have a design system, I would say use it, right? So design systems um, typically have been vetted out against heuristics and contain a lot of the best practices and a good design system will actually have rules for usage kind of built in. Like when do we use these buttons and where, and what's this layout good for? And why do we do this and not this? And uh, a lot of times that's done in the context of the product space or domain or the type of user um, that might be interacting with the system. So I would say if one's available, definitely leverage it because I wouldn't call it a a shortcut, but I think it buys down a lot of uh, risk. And helps you from reinventing the wheel if it doesn't need to be reinvented. Another question we have is what are some of your favorite or most effective tools or methods that you use? Um, I'm kind of more, I'm, I'm kind of a, like a big kind of playbook, uh, sort of fan. I tend to describe, uh, you know, what's in the arsenal of, you know, things under the umbrella of user experience as more of like uh, plays in a playbook. And there are clearly a number of different, you know, uh, digital tools, anything from kind of like, hey, we're going to uh, create a prototype or some do some visual design in a Figma or a sketch, but, or things like we need to collaborate and, and organize and map and model something in a Miro or a whiteboard or, you know, in person on a whiteboard with post-its or something. 
but I tend to just think about the different types of activities, the frameworks, the canvases, how do we want to collaborate? What tools are best for that? To Heath's point, are, are there constraints or things that we already have that are we have licenses for or, you know, that people are already kind of using? Um, so I, I tend to think of, uh, uh, about a broad range of things to then say, all right, what kind of, where are we at in this project, in this process of answering the question? What kind of question is this? And, you know, do, do we need to bring in this type of uh, an exercise and therefore this type of tool, or do we bring in this type of exercise and this sort of a tool? Um, so I, I tend to think about it a little bit more like a, like a playbook, if you will, and like what play we're going to be calling. Um, and then each, you know, as you move through a, a project, there are varying different plays that make more or less sense at a particular time. Um, so that's how I just tend to, I mean, that's probably a pretty broad way of answering your question, Tamara. Um, but that's the, I think that's the nature of where our value sits too, is ensuring that we try to prescribe the right type of activity for the right, right time and for what we know at that particular moment. Um, as you guys know, I'm like a huge uh, fan of design thinking as a broader approach to problem solving. I like it because within each stage, you have kind of the luxury of pulling in different methods and tools and techniques, uh, depending on kind of what circumstance you're in, right? So um, it kind of leaves it open and discretionary, depending on uh, what the challenge is. So I'm a huge fan of that. Um, I also really like it because uh, a lot of the tools and techniques, at least that I've used and uh, are recommended within the framework, are very collaborative. So I love working with uh, like everybody on the team for ideation and, you know, going through things like synthesis on research. I think there's a ton of value in incorporating folks into the different steps of kind of the, the solution and problem solving process. So um, huge fan of like design studios for kind of ideation and brainstorming. Like Jason mentioned, I'm a big fan of like declaring assumptions and then ranking those kind of understanding what we know and what we don't know about something so we can strategize around how to how to understand more about those things. In terms of tools, not a not as much of a preference. I found those seems seem to lately change out more than they have been standardized. So uh, some of that I think depends on what your team's used to using and how the process works in terms of asset delivery, uh, but also what you know what's been procured, what you have access to. So um, I think I found I've become more adaptable to some of those tools and have had less like preference and uh, attachment to some of those things just because I know they they change or we try different stuff out from time to time. You mentioned design thinking. That's something that we've done with our development teams. And each of us, I think, has run a design thinking session, like a week-long session Sometimes those sessions can be cut down to three days and they can even be run without a UX designer. But the idea behind design thinking is that you have different stages in which you're empathizing with your user, kind of defining the problem at hand or the problem that you need to solve for, and then having that ideation phase where you're throwing out possible solutions to this, prototyping that potential solution and then testing it. So I think of that back to the kind of the previous question too of, what can my team be doing even if I don't have a UX designer? 
And so there is that design thinking process that you could go through. You could even, you know, reach out to the UX team and say, hey, does anybody have availability to run a design thinking session with our team? You know, a five-day one, a three-day one. You know, and the other thing is what we used to do a lot of is sketching sessions, which is almost like just taking a, a piece of that design thinking and iterating through it a little bit quicker, right? So some teams have had a half-day sketching session where they talk about the problem that they need to solve. They probably talk a little bit about the user that they're solving it for, and they just start drawing out possibilities and then putting those up and sharing them with the team. And that's a way for everybody to get different ideas out there and building upon them of, of seeing what somebody else had in mind. And it also gets people's voices heard a little bit more. So it's a good way to get those design ideas out there. Yeah, I actually don't mind. Um, that's like the midway point of like the design thinking process, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I actually don't mind starting there. I think the important part is is to whatever you put there, just know it's kind of laden with assumptions, right? You got to throw, throw it out there and get some feedback on it. Yeah, in that sense, design thinking is very much of a mindset. And I think that's a good call out. Say that it's just a problem solving process and really uh, it's for anybody and everything and not necessarily for even for software. So kind of knowing a little bit about that underlying process, I think is, yeah, it's a good, good call out. Yeah. And I think you, you make a really good point there, Heath, about the assumptions that are included in that. Cause that's part of the design thinking process too, is identifying those assumptions. Yeah. And I think the, the other part about design thinking is it's meant to like get feedback early. So I think the perception that we have to build this, you know, product first and polish it before we get any sort of feedback on it incorrect i think you could even potentially take stuff that comes out of a ideation session like that and get feedback off of it right so the whole point is that we start loose and fast and so we can gain momentum and directionality and buy down some of that risk early on at least so and i think again again the barrier to entry for producing some of those artifacts is fairly low and anybody can do it so mm-hmm. uh last question here how does our team get ux help Reach out to Jason. Five 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 one two one two. And really reach out to anybody on the team. Yeah, I'd say you know, like I mentioned before, we have less designers than we have development teams, than we have product managers, than we have products. But our team is always looking to help in the best way that we can, and sometimes that looks like us on a project from the start, but it, it can also look like us having a half day session with your team and providing whatever feedback and giving some guidance and a little bit of assistance from that standpoint. Another thing that we do is we have weekly meetings where we welcome any teammate to come join us, just send us a message and it, you might have a design problem at hand that we can put in front of all the designers during this design studio. And we can just give you some feedback to get your team going. I think also the team is working on uh, an official intake process, mm-hmm. 2022. Um, so to Tamara's point, we're kind of spread thin. And so there is a little bit of uh, how can we right-size the effort based on what's going on? And also, do those things align with uh, 2022 strategic initiatives? So more to come on that, but it's something we're aware of and trying to work on. Yeah. And maybe we've done interviews that would give you some insights or we can hand over some past UX reports that we've done in areas that might overlap with your product or with the problem that you're solving. Well, that's all we have today. 
Thank you, Keith, Jason, for joining us on the Try Catch Podcast, UX Edition. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Uh, anytime. <laughs>